Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, June 6th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news and answer a question in the mailbag. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film writer Swatran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Okay, it is dead out there for news right now, but we, we do have three stories to talk about today. Let's start things off with Swamp Thing, which has been officially canceled one week after its premiere on the DC Universe streaming service. HT, what is going on here? So after um, it was beleaguered by reports of a troubled production and uh, reduced by three episodes, Swamp Thing has been officially canceled by DC Universe merely six days after it aired its first episode on May 31st. Um, But the first season will air in its entirety on DC Universe. The uh, show just has not been picked up for a second season. this was first reported um, by Geeks Worldwide, but we were able to confirm this with DC Universe. Um, and yes, this is uh, something that has um, in the past been reported to be because of creative reasons, but it might actually have to do with North Carolina's um, tax rebates policies uh, and basically comes down to an issue of bad paperwork. Apparently, North Carolina promised the production of Swamp Thing a $40 million tax rebate, but due to a paperwork error, it turned out to be $14 million. And so the very expensive production for Swamp Thing could not maintain that quality for the next season, and basically they pulled the plug. Here, uh, whose paperwork error was this? The production in North Carolina? We don't know, but um, that seems to be what's being reported at, at the moment. It just seems to be some sort of production error. That must be the most costly paperwork error in in Hollywood history, right? Like that. That's like. 30-something million dollars. That That's insane. How is this happening? Um, I don't know. But um, according to uh, the first reports of uh, North Carolina, Carolina raising its uh, rebate cap, 
TV shows uh, were capped at $12 million per TV season. So um, I don't know how $40 million was some was promised in the first place. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, Chris, do you think this means the end of Swamp? Like, I mean, this being the first major production canceled on DC Universe, do you, do you think the others are going to follow? Or do you think this is just like, a, you know, a, a case on its own? Uh, it's certainly not a good sign for DC Universe. I don't know if they're going to shut down everything at once, but they might reconsider this original programming idea and just stick to stuff that already exists, like, the, you know, the comics they have. I, I don't know. I just don't... I don't know who watches DC Universe shows. Like, uh, I can't... I never hear anyone talking about them, so I don't know yeah. if anyone even cares. Well... Eventually, Warner Brothers is going to create their own streaming service, which will we assume is going to include all these DC Universe shows, and I'm sure I'll watch them then. Um, I'm just wondering, like, how do you guys feel? Like, I feel like when Netflix announced that all these Marvel shows were being canceled, I I stopped watching the ones that I were was watching. I stopped watching because, like, what's the point? It's you know, it's being canceled before. You know, without an ending uh, determined by the showrunners. Like, HD, how do you feel? Like, is it even worth diving into, like, a show like this, like Swamp Thing, knowing that there's not going to be any more after the season? I mean, I can't say how much interest I already have in Swamp Thing. <laughs> but so... I'm just saying in general. Like, if there is <laughs> yeah, a yeah. show that you're, wa- like, watching and the next season is canceled, like, do you even watch it? That's true. Like, why break your heart if you already know it's going to be broken at the end? <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, it depends, honestly, on like how much um, critical praise that show is getting and whether it's worth that one season. But yeah, it's uh, honestly sometimes just not worth the effort. Yeah. Okay, I mentioned Warner Brothers, and it seems like Warner Brothers is one of the two big contenders for J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams is trying to find a new home. He was at Paramount. Uh, There was a bunch of contenders, including Disney. It seems like Disney might be out of the mix. Chris, what do we know? Uh, yeah, so it's coming down to Warner Brothers or you know, Warner Media to be specific, or Apple, uh, which is is surprising because, like you said, we we all sort of just assumed it would be Disney because Disney owns everything, but they're not even in the they're not they're they're no longer in the conversation. It looks like it looks like it's just uh, Warner's or Apple, and and like Sony is a possibility, and maybe Universal, but no no Disney. So. Do you think it's that Disney doesn't need J.J. Abrams? Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't need to bid highly on J.J. Abrams because they have Marvel. They have Star Wars. They have Disney. They have Pixar. Like, do you know what I mean? They have everything. Like, do they really, like, they have too many, they have so many release dates that, like, they have a film coming out, like, every couple weeks or something. I mean, you could always have more, Peter. You can never have enough. You can always, you could always own everything. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, that might be the reason, or maybe they just... Yeah, I, I, maybe they don't really want what J.J. Abrams is offering. I mean, so, you know, it could be uh, various reasons. Yeah. Who do you think J.J. Abrams should end up at? Like, what is the better prospect here, Warner Brothers or Apple? I'm going to say Warner Brothers just because, you know, they they have a, a tried and tested uh, history. And, you know, Apple, based on that, that presentation they gave for their upcoming streaming service, doesn't look that exciting. Um it just seems like Warner Brothers is, is the safer bet. But at the same time, Apple seems more 
in the future, I guess, because it's like, ah, oh, we're bringing our thing to a streaming service and he might be drawn to that. But I'm going to just guess yeah. Warner Brothers is going to win out in the end. I mean, Abrams does have a long history with Apple. He's a big fan of Apple. If you've ever watched his TED Talk back in the day, he talked about uh, the Apple design aesthetic and how that inspires him. Um, <laughs> so I could see him ending up there. I mean, me, I mean, Apple needs him a lot more than Warner Brothers needs him. HD, where do you think he's going to end up? I was leaning toward more towards uh, Warner Brothers, too, but you make some good points about Apple. Um, but for now, I think Apple still is pretty untested, so I don't know um, what being under their leadership would mean. Um, but they are trying to get as many big names as possible, as shown with the Apple TV Plus streaming platform. Yeah. I wonder if he ends up at Warner Brothers, if that means that they'll let J.J., dip his ho- toes again into like the dc film properties mm-hmm. that'll be interesting because i know we've talked about it in the past he he did write that uh superman script what was it called uh superman flyby was that it chris do you remember yes it was yeah superman yeah flyby. um so me, maybe if he ends up there uh maybe there will be a jj abrams produced uh dc film who knows okay anyways uh let's move on from dc to marvel uh, it turns out Marvel is adapting some of its longtime iconic comic book stories into audiobooks. HT, what do we know? Marvel Entertainment um, has teamed up with audiobook and digital content producer Dreamscape Media to adapt some of their most iconic stories into, quote, read-to-me style audiobooks. They're going to be adapting around two dozen of these comic book stories, such as The Ultimate Spider-Man, The Ultimate X-Men, X-Men Codename Wolverine, and Daredevil, The Men Without Fear, The Man Without Fear, um, with several more stories. Uh, along the way and these will be released on a variety of platforms including amazon audible apple books google play overdrive and for library uh use members through for, through an app called hoopla which um has partnered with marvel before to bring 250 comic books to its apps so this is um marvel's latest foray into audio after it released its um podcast drama wolverine the long night and um its second season wolverine the lost trail but those are more audio dramas whereas these audiobooks uh sound like they're more akin to just like typical audiobooks uh which will be interesting considering you know comic books are very visual medium so i wonder how they're going to adapt those for just being read yeah, I'm a little cynical here. Part of me is excited about this because I don't have the time as much to read comic books. And I do have a lot of time walking around and listening. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and a lot of Audible. Um, but the other part of me is like comic books. You know, those comic book tales were created for the comic book medium, which is highly visual. Sure, you can adapt those into like animated direct-to-DVD uh, movies. Like th- that makes sense, that transi- uh, translation. But uh, Chris, does this does this make sense? Like, are are we gonna like follow along to a big epic comic book fight, like <laughs> descriptive in words? Like that just seems. I'm guessing I haven't listened to them. But I'm guessing they'll have like sound effects, like like swords clashing if people are sword fighting. I don't I don't really know if it's gonna be like an audio. Is it like an audio book? <laughs> As in the yeah. traditional sense, or is it like an audio play? Because well, where, you know, well, the line is blurred there because if you listen to some audiobooks, like you listen to like the Harry Potter or Star Wars books, there are there's like music and there's voices and there's 
Uh, yeah, I sound, hate that. sound effects. You hate that? <laughs> you I don't. I don't want it. I want a book. I'm not. I don't. I hate when they add goofy sound effects and music. I don't want that. I, I, I just want to hear someone reading. That's it. That's all I want. What about when people do voices, Chris? No, I don't mind fun. the voices. I don't mind the voices if they're like good voice actors. A bad narrator can really ruin an audiobook. Like I, I tried to read quote unquote the the first Game of Thrones book once on audiobook and the narrator was this old old man and like every time he read like the sex parts he had this like withered voice i was like this is like the worst i couldn't even finish it i was like i can't i can't get through this and i so i gave up on game of thrones that's hilarious my god have either of you listened to the harry potter audiobooks because i feel like those are the best case scenario of what i'm describing like almost like an audio drama I actually haven't, but what you're describing is akin to what I'm uh, listening to with the Lord of the Rings uh, audiobook right now, which is more of like an audio drama. It's very, there's music and there's um, sound effects and it's the score actually from the movie. So it makes it really, it kind of brings that nostalgia too. But I maybe might check out the Harry Potter ones, although I don't usually listen to a lot of audiobooks. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess you're out for the Marvel adaptations? Yeah, I don't really see the uh, benefit of listening to these comic books as audio books because I just don't think that they'll capture everything. I might be proven wrong. They they may find some sort of ingenious way of incorporating that, but I don't really know for now. But I imagine, I mean, HT, you live in New York. I imagine that you're like on the subway all the time and you're like Very walking through. Oh, really? Yeah, the subway is very loud and like sometimes, you know, the audio doesn't you can't really hear the full effect of things so what do you do listen to music yeah or listen the to the part. people around you who does that yeah. these days? <laughs> the music of life i just don't understand how you're going to translate like one of those huge like multi-page splash pages into an audio book like how are you, how do you even describe something like that yeah i have don't know. But on the plus side, this probably would be good for people who are visually impaired. Good point. Good point. Okay, we're going to move on to the mailbag. Uh, for this, we're going to bring on Slash Film senior writer, Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, okay, hi. Uh, we have a letter here from Bryce from Utah, and he proposes this interesting question, a theoretical question. Um if you were stuck on a deserted island with solar power, a TV, and a specific set of Blu-rays from only one director's filmography to watch for the rest of your life on this island, who would it be? Well, first of all, if we only had a TV and Blu-rays, we'd have no way to watch the Blu-rays. <laughs> you need a Blu-ray player. <laughs> yes. But I'm assuming in this theoretical scenario, we would have a Blu-ray player. Um, you know... I when I was thinking about this question, I did some searching. I was like, you know what? Maybe I wouldn't pick one of my favorite directors. Maybe I would pick a director that has a huge filmography that I have not explored. So I like did some searching like who who is a filmmaker who has directed the most films? And there's some filmmakers that have directed like three or four hundred films, but that includes like short films and they're usually like at the early end of the cinematic era of 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 films um so i don't know i in, in reading it to them i'm like oh maybe i, I don't think i would want to be stuck with them, their films for the rest of my life so i i think i rescinded I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with one of my favorite filmmakers of all time i think i'm going to go with steven spielberg 
just because uh, he's brought me so much joy throughout my lifeline, uh, lifetime. And he has such a varied amount of uh, a varied s- stories from, you know, the these really heartwarming to serious. Like, I feel like there is a scope there that I could live with. And, and he does have a lot of films. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not just a few films. Like, if you were going to pick, like, Tarantino or Paul Thomas Anderson, you have m- many less films to deal with. I feel like uh, Spielberg is the happy medium for me. Uh, H.T., how about you? That's a smart answer. I just thought immediately of which um, director I would want to watch the most and which I already watched the most. And that's easy. That's Hayao Miyazaki. He is um, my favorite filmmaker, probably. No, not probably. He is. And the most formative one for me in how I just kind of came to love movies. And um, he, he also has a wide scope, though not quite as extensive as the filmography as Spielberg, but his films, though all animated, range from action to smaller dramas, to fantasy, to um, sci-fi, and those are all films that I could watch over and over again and would never get sick of. So Miyazaki for me, although I would be a little sad to not have the entire Studio Ghibli collection, uh, but this would um, this is my like immediate answer. See, I feel like before I get deserted on this this island, I would want to talk to you, HD, because I feel like there's probably some filmmaker outside of uh, Miyazaki that makes like animes and probably has like a, a like a huge filmography that I have not mm. even dipped my toes into. I feel like I would want someone someone I could explore new stories with. I've seen. I think I've seen almost every single Spielberg film at this point. I might be missing one. Um, But I don't even know who that would be. Like, is there a hugely prolific filmmaker in anime that is outside of Miyazaki? Someone that's, like, been doing, like, TV and movies? Do you know what I mean? Um, Well, there is another... um, Who is the director for Neon Genesis? Um, he has done quite a bit. Um, Hideko, Hideki Anno, he's, uh, directed quite a few movies as well. Um, as well as live action films too. He directed Shin Godzilla, which, um, uh, Jacob talked about earlier. So you'd get not only animated films, but also live action films. Uh, as far as anime filmmakers, um, there isn't quite one with, uh, the, large filmography as uh, Miyazaki, I would recommend Mamoru Hosoda, who has maybe seven, eight films, and they're all excellent. He has um, made films like, I don't know if you've heard of these. Well, my one of my favorite films, which is The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, and other films like uh, Wolf Children and The Boy and the Beast, all of which have some similarities to um, Miyazaki, actually, but are much more sort of screwball uh, and um, funny bent to them. Um, and uh, the animation style of his is very different. It's more fluid and a little bit less um, specific. But yeah, uh, there's a lot of anime filmmakers. Even I haven't dived into all of them. Um, uh, Makoto Shinkai, who directed Your Name, of course, although his filmography is very small. He's only done, like, I think four feature films, but a lot of shorts. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many. There's uh, plenty that I'm not thinking of immediately either that are not just anime, but like foreign filmmakers who have definitely had a lot of of films. But yeah, 
this is um my number one choice for now. You, you know that makes sense too because I, I I wasn't even thinking properly because in the animated uh, medium it takes a lot longer than live action to make a film. So those filmmakers probably would have a smaller filmography than live action filmmakers. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna not gonna to drag this out any longer, but um, there haven't been a lot of prolific prolific anime filmmakers uh, before Miyazaki. He kind of started the trend of that auteurist approach to anime films. A lot of anime films for him were directed by sort of TV, um, you know, uh, journeyman directors, and there isn't quite a lot of filmmakers who are known just for doing anime films. Okay, uh, let's move on to Chris. Chris, where did you fall into this? Like, did you fall? Do you want the scope? Do you want something you love? Did you, you know? Um, well, I, I guess my, my first question is, do we have like food on this island or am I like slowly dying as I watch these movies? Like, the only like, food like, you need is cinema. Yeah, am, I, like, am I like delirious <laughs> and like slowly going out of my mind as I watch all these movies? Um, I, I imagine I get... it like Castaway. So we have like coconuts and we're hunting for chicken and stuff like that well i guess not you because what would you do chris because you are you have chosen to not eat any meat of any kind what would you do in this scenario would you have to relent and give in no i would i don't know i'd eat some sand i guess some delicious <laughs> sand for, uh, sand. for berries, and berries. yeah 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 or I, I would probably just lay down and die. Honestly, I'd be like <laughs> i've i've had a good run it's time to throw in the towel here on this island uh, I don't know. I'd probably go with, I guess, like Martin Scorsese just because he's my favorite filmmaker and he has a lot of stuff to choose from. And it's all very different and uh, good. I I mean, it's not the most feel good stuff, but honestly, I'm stranded on an island. So why, I don't think I'd feel good to begin with. You know, I don't want to be outside. That sounds awful. I want to be inside. I don't, you know. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, imagine uh, I imagine you, Chris, like in some kind of cave with this. TV and then the wire goes out to the outside of the cave for the solar component of it to power it. Yeah, what I could probably take, make that wait, work. What if we were to take the similar premise and be just like you're stranded in a cabin and there's no way for you to escape, but it's what? you know deserted all around you and you only have this the solar power and TV and the Blu-rays. I mean, you know, that's uh, why do I have to be stranded in this scenario? Can I just go <laughs> home? Scenario. I just. <laughs> I just want to go home. <laughs> ben, how about you? Where do you fall in, in the line of this? Man, I was really, I thought a lot about this, guys. I came up with like, f- I think five different answers here. Um, I was trying to think about like old filmmakers that had a huge breadth of types of different, you know, different types of movies that they made across their bodies of work. So I was thinking of people like Michael Curtiz, who made Captain Blood and the Adventures of Robin Hood and Yankee Doodle Dandy and Mildred Pierce and White Christmas and Casablanca, like all in one guy's filmography. That's kind of incredible. And like similarly, somebody like George Cukor, who did he was uncredited on both Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz, but uh, he directed movies like The Women and Philadelphia Story and Gaslight and Star is Born. And he's got a Romeo and Juliet adaptation in there. Somebody like uh, Billy Wilder might also be a good choice. He did 
uh, Double Indemnity and, and Sunset Boulevard, The Apartment, The Seven Year Itch, Witness for the Prosecution, The Lost Weekend. Um, the first person that came to my mind actually was Sidney Lumet, who his first movie was 12 Angry Men, which is incredible. If you've never seen that movie, please go watch it. Uh, he also did Network and Dog Day Afternoon, Murder on the Orient Express, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, and this movie that uh, called Death Trap that I really like. But I think ultimately my choice is Ryan Johnson, who I think is my favorite working filmmaker right now. I think right now he is he's four for four with Brick, the Brothers Bloom, Looper, and uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Wait, wait, he wait, wait a second, Ben. You could live the rest of your life just watching those four films. So, so listen, here we go, Peter. I'm, I, 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 here we go. So he's got Knives Out coming out this year, and my my uh, question up to this person, Bryce from Utah, who wrote in, is if I were to crash on this island before Knives Out comes out. I have to assume that because uh, this person is still a working filmmaker, then a a uh, Blu-ray version of every movie they are going to make in the future eventually one by one just comes and parachutes in to this island. Like people are not <laughs> able to rescue me for some reason, but I am able to get special deliveries of one director's movies from their filmography. So, uh, you know, that, that uh, if sort of factors into my decision in the as rules. well. Like if this I, is in just... the rules, like if that, that is like a different question. If you could only watch like one filmmaker's future films for the rest of your life, like you could only pick one. I feel like that's a totally different question. I mean, I don't know, Peter, I'm, I'm reading, I'm playing by a different set of rules over here. And then also, I think, you know, look in that same uh, mode of thinking in terms of like trying to find loopholes and stuff. Uh, <laughs> the question specifically says a specific set of Blu-rays from only one director's filmography. Um, uh, Ryan Johnson also directed episodes of Terriers and Breaking Bad, which are two of my favorite shows. So if the if his TV work is included in a Blu-ray, that means that I get the box set of both of those shows. So that includes some TV in there as well. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I like Just the polling of this yeah. Um, yeah. question, Ben. <laughs> I, I didn't expect Ben to be pulling the loopholes with the the answer. <laughs> this is this is interesting. Now with this loophole, Chris, do, do you want to change your pick or are you still Scorsese? Uh yeah, I, I'd probably <laughs> stick with Scorsese. Wait, what was the loophole? You getting stuff dropped off, like lost? Yeah, like you you get like I imagine yeah. it's like a FedEx package, like in Castaway, where it's something just washed ashore, and then you have the latest Ryan Johnson film. Or you, like in Lost, where they had the, the pallet drops. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Like big tubs of mayo. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, but instead, I, I, it's just one Blu-ray of Knives Out. just one Blu-ray on a giant pallet. Um, yeah, I guess I want to know more about this island. Is it like the Lost Island? <laughs> like, is there a hatch? Is there a polar bear? Are the Ooh, others the lurking? Hatch, you do pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd rather explore the island first before I sit down and watch some movies. I, and the yeah. other, the other thing that my wife brought up because I, I posed this question to her right before I came on to join you guys, and she was like talking about those older directors that I mentioned, and she's like, maybe a lot of their movies aren't available on Blu-ray. So, like, what happens there? And I was like, oh yeah. That's a good point. So maybe I know Ryan Johnson stuff is available on Blu-ray. So at least I'd have that. You know, if we're, if you're getting into the technicalities here, uh, a specific set of Blu-rays, maybe some of their older stuff is only available on DVD or something like that. So you know, all these what? things you have to sort of factor in when you make your decisions. One thing I like about your naming of all the older directors and their very storied. Um, filmography is that it, it sounded like you're trying to rebuild civilization like if i was the last person on earth and there's like i have to save cinema yeah there's <laughs> huge such a George huge, yeah a huge range of stuff because these guys were 
you know, they're working in the studio system and they were just like directors for hire and they managed to make a bunch of stuff that sort of transcended uh, what you think of to be, you know, like a journeyman style career. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's so much like variation in their filmographies there, but uh, yeah, anyway, you know, that, the, that was my thought process. We should do that question at another time. Like if aliens came to earth and you had to show them five films to represent all of humanity, what films would those be? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next time. Next time, uh, if you have a question for the mailbag, you can send it to peter at slashfilm.com and please leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention the email on the air. You can find all of our work at slashfilm.com. You can find this podcast, Slash Film Daily, published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. And please rate and re- review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow. Years because it has like 300 seasons and you can just <laughs> spend the rest of your life watching them. Wait, oh, is, me, wait, think, so we can do TV shows? Look, anything goes. We're trapped on an island with a magical Blu ray player. I, I, I'm. <laughs> Yeah, you would just have to pick the director who directed the most episode of Cheers because a lot of those shows had like one or two people that would just sort of like cycle in and out. And oh, that's right. I forgot do, the question. You know, like directors, yeah. No, but, but, but it does bring up if you... that rule that uh, Ben made, then you just pick one director that was on every season <laughs> yes. and get all the blue rings. Yeah, there we go. But, but here's the question. I, I know HG's rewatching Lost. Would you really, like, if you got the choice to, to have Lost with you on this deserted island, would you really want to? I don't know. That would be too close to home. Yeah, I know.